You're listening to Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. If your dead set broke today, 10% may not work. Like it just physically is impossible. If you're wealthy today, 10% doesn't stretch your faith. And I have heard people say it is strictly 10%, like work out what one tenth is. And I'm like, where else in our life does Jesus let us get away with that? Now, here's your hosts, Tim and Dez. Well, welcome to this week's Momentum. It is Tim and Dez with you once again. I uh, encourage you to check out our website after the show, MomentumAustralia.org. Hey, find out a bit about these uh, these guys that you're listening to. But all around Australia, hey, thanks so much for tuning in. It is uh, Tim and Dez. Dez, are you well? I'm great. Recovered from COVID, which is amazing. So if you hear a little bit of a frog in my throat, it's not literally a frog. It's just the after effects. Whatever happens. Yeah. Hey, you know, we're breaking new ground on the show today. After almost 70 episodes thereabouts, we've yet to step into this area and talk about this topic on momentum. But this is a key area of our lives, and it is one that many of us can actually struggle with. In fact, this is an area that impacts all of us. For many of us, this is actually one of our major concerns in life. And it's also an area that uh, puts a lot of stress on our relationships too. Yeah, today we're talking about money and finance, two very important subjects in our lives. And we have with us our special guest, Wes Hohn. Wes, I've heard your name spoken in really good terms all you know for the last few years. And it's really delightful to have you on the show. It's great to be with you guys. So Wes, some of our listeners may recognize your name. Some may know you from Business Greenhouse. Some may know you from Around the Traps and your your seminars. Uh, I know some of the guys have recently been to your Brisbane seminar. Um, But for listeners who don't know Wes Hone, just give us a brief background, introduce yourself, um, tell them a bit about who you are and and what you get up to. Yeah, so I live uh, uh, in the center of God's universe, which is uh, a little beach (laughs) town just south of the Queensland border called Casuarina. That's where I live. Uh, Married to beautiful Kimberly, got three young girls. Um, And my assignment in life is to advance the kingdom by advancing small and medium business owners, getting them to learn how to run a profitable, scalable business, which will give them, you know, both the finance to fund strategic projects and the influence to change culture. That's great. I love both of those. Tell us a bit about where that heart came from for you, like over the years, how did that develop? I came to Christ on the 23rd of September, 2004. Um, And before that, had no understanding of God, his kingdom, his church, nothing. I've probably been to church twice in my life as a young person to a wedding or something. Like I had, (laughs) I had no frame of reference. Um, You know, I, 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 as a kid growing up in England, I lived in England till I was 14. They actually taught us a bit of the Bible, uh, but they taught us the Quran, funnily enough, um, in religious studies. Um, And, um, yeah, so I really had no idea because I wasn't paying attention then. Uh, And then just one particular day, this girl said, you should come to church. And I was certainly searching for a bigger meaning in life. And uh, and I went and I was literally, you know, basically fell in love with God, the presence of God, the first time I ever stepped foot into a church. Like literally that minute, it was all different. And so uh, now this was a uniting church, so they didn't do altar calls, right? I'm not sure if they've just given up or whatever, but um, I went home two weeks after going to church and threw myself on the floor and repented and um, said sorry to the Lord. And and so I'd always been a business person before that though, right? So mm-hmm. I'd been in business since my earliest memories. And so my world fell apart because I realized, I, I thought business was to just give me everything I ever wanted. I thought that my whole journey in life was to grow businesses at the expense of whoever so that I could get what I wanted. Hmm. And if I wanted a bigger house, I just built a bigger business. And if I wanted a bigger boat, I just built a bigger business. And that was, that's what I thought. And 
then of course, the minute I came to Christ, I started pouring into the scriptures and realizing God's model is very different to the one that I saw in the world around me. And, and so um, three weeks after coming to Christ, I said to the Lord, what am I going to do for you? Like it, there needs to be something bigger than going to church yeah. because and I actually literally said to the Lord three weeks after coming to Christ, I said, I've already spotted the racket. Everyone sits in the same seat, eating the same Tim Tams, drinking the same coffee, <laughs> saying the same things, nodding at the same time. And I said to the Lord, if that's it, you won't keep me because of what the world has to offer is better. Mm. You need to show me something that's strategic, that's outcome driven, that that moves the needle on the kingdom. And he showed me that I would start a training academy for Christian entrepreneurs, which I loved because that was the world. I loved business. And, but it freaked me out because it was quite a heavy call. And so I slipped that in my back pocket. And for eight years, I worked out who he was and, and his kingdom and how it operates. And then in 2013, that's that's what we launched. And so here we are today. So what was the reaction of your family when you embarked on this new venture? So no one in my family as far back as I can see has been a believer. Uh, my, my nan kind of uttered some some things that would show that she was sympathetic um, you know, <laughs> towards the end of her life, but but really, you know, nothing to point towards a, a committed believer. I think the early reaction was like, oh, Wes is on another tangent, right? <laughs> he's, he's in a phase. <laughs> and then obviously it didn't, it didn't just disappear after six months or whatever. It's definitely hard still, even today. Um, yeah. Just because, you know, like I, I just want to talk about this great, amazing, you know, element of my life and, 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 and I can't really, which is a real shame. And, you know, and it's a shame the fact that I can't, you know, I, I can't let that side come alive in family get togethers. Hmm. But at the same time, you know, um, it's my job to lead the way with them. So, yeah. you know, you, you do what you can do. But, um, yeah, I mean, They've never been vocal about disagreeing with me, so that's nice. Wes, can I ask, what what was your relationship with money and finances growing up? I mean, it seems to me, and I know a bit about your story, that you've had this kind of entrepreneurial sense from a very young age. Um, So tell us a bit about, I suppose, because obviously for a lot of us, right, a family of origin and the way that they look at money and handle money determines for a lot of us, unless we do something about that, how we operate with money. And a lot for a lot of us, it's dysfunctional. So, so what was your journey with that? And I think it's probably the same. Like um, I remember, so my parents split when I was eight, but I remember in the years leading up to that, you know, I'd go to bed most nights with them screaming at each other. Uh, and now it's ironic because we hear that finance is the biggest cause of stress. I reckon finance is just the excuse for some other massive underlying issues. Right. You know, it just becomes the convenient one, right? Um, because it's easier to tackle fight over that than it is to go and dig <laughs> deeper and work out what's really going on. Um, and so I don't recall making a vow of like, um, you know, they're fighting over money, so I'm going to make sure that that's not an issue. I don't remember that. Yeah. But it was definitely a theme where I was like, hang on a minute, if money causes that much stress, I'll just fix the money thing. Hmm. Yeah. Not realizing that it just, it just yes. other problems. Creates other problems. <laughs> like not, not, it's not like everything goes away after you make a few bob, right? Um, but, but that particular stress does go away. Um, and I would say it's worth paying the price. So, so, so that combined with the fact that I knew from 
My at two years old, I have a memory of writing, making a checkbook because people used checks back then. Yeah. Um, mm. So I kind of made my own, and I would play banker. I was I was two people. I would I'd be writing the checks, buying things, or running around the table of selling them <laughs> as a shopkeeper. Right. So so I so I remember those things, and they were always in there. And then you know, as early as I could, I would be spending all of my spare time washing cars, doing gardening for people in the street. Um, uh, we moved to Australia when I was 14 and within two days here, I had a job at the athlete's foot and, and stayed oh, there right. until I was 19 and stuff like that. So, so always just on the hunt to, for, you know, for the next thing, the next opportunity, how, how to make things a little bit better and always on the hunt to earn, right? Just this, I, I don't know, but it, but it, I don't know whether it's a reaction to what I experienced or that's combined with just a natural propensity. I wasn't academic. I didn't enjoy school. Um, I would just dream about starting businesses all day. Um, mm. But that's that's kind of, you know, the journey. And it's funny because now everyone's celebrated for being an entrepreneur. Back then it's what you did because you were failing school. Like, <laughs> the teachers kind of said to you, you know, well, business is really going to be it for you, you poor sucker, because, you know, well, you're not very good at English or whatever. But now it's super cool that everyone starts their own business, but not so much mm. back then. So what's the difference? Uh, because we hear a lot about, you know, money's the root of all evil or the love of money's the root of all evil. Uh, so where do you draw the line there between, you know, having a goal that says, you know, I, I want to advance the kingdom and so forth, as opposed to, hey, I can buy a new Ferrari next year if I put my bum into it? I've got so many thoughts on the topic. One is... Um you know, I do actually love money <laughs> and, and that's quite offensive to the religious folk um, because I love what I can do with it. Uh, that's the difference. Yeah. But the other, the, other, the other thing that's interesting if you study the word love is um, in the original text, there's four levels of love. There's not one. We have one word for love and we yeah. use it for everything, right? We say, you know, I love the weather. I love the government. I love that color on you. I love my dog. Right? We, we, we use it. Hmm. But that's not what they had. They had different levels. And so the, the love that is talking about in that scripture is the agape love, which is that I would die for you love, right, which is what Jesus has for us and wants in return. Hmm. Of course, you would not want to have that level of love for money. Hmm. Like that's a bad idea. But can you have a junior level of love for money? Yeah, I reckon you can. Hmm. And so and so for those reasons, I think, um, you know, I, I think – I think a lot of damage has been done across the body of Christ with with yeah. with trying to make it one way instead of actually yeah. unpacking, you know, the heart behind what it all means. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, though, um, there's a massive difference between, and this never gets talked about, there's a massive difference between going into business to make as much money as I can and storing up for myself treasures on earth. They're not the same thing. Yeah. Mm. Wildly different. Just because I go into business to make as much money as I can doesn't mean I have to store it all up for myself. Yeah. Mm. And I only have to check my heart with the bit that I keep, right? Yeah. So the rest can be used for good works. And we live in a world that puts wealth and business on a pedestal. Mm. The people that have the most influence are the people that have the most affluence and they're the people that have the biggest businesses. So why wouldn't we confound the wisdom of the world, build a massive business for the sake of the money you can use to give away? Sure. But the influence to be able to speak into situations. Mm -hmm. To me, that's the goal. Whether I whether I buy myself nice things, that's my journey with the Lord. Yes, right. But but that's that's where you can get caught out because if all you're doing, if your increase in your business is mapping to the increase in your personal life, you're in trouble. 
So just expanding on that for a, a second, Wes, and, and you kind of answered the question, but just for some clarity for my own peace of mind, I suppose, you know, and it's similar to what you and Des were just talking about, this, this idea of being blessed, and, and I have more than enough, and I can have the house and the whatever, I can provide a good, you know, for my family, which is Proverbs 13, a good man leaves an inheritance for his, for his kids' kids. I suppose what you're saying is, is it a personal thing, a heart thing to go, well, where, how much is my blessing and where does that trickle over into greed? Because, you know, I mean, I think it's good for Christians to have a blessed life, you know, and I think it is, it's right that we do. You know, the world doesn't want to look at a bunch of Christians and go, well, why would I want to buy into that? You know, if you've just got to be poor and sick all the time to, to you know, have a relationship with God. But again, there's a fine line, right, between being blessed and then, well, we're just, we've just got enormous amounts of money and it's just greed. Yeah, I, I, I think that it's not a fine line. I think it's a pretty massive chasm. I, I would say to you, <laughs> criteria, the criteria for greed is that it's at somebody else's expense. Yeah. Hmm. That's the criteria for greed. So, which is the world system, right? Screw everybody, you know, cross any moral boundary to get your shareholder returns. Like that's the business world, right? Like like competition, crush my competitor so that I win, right? That's that's greed. And 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 my God will never prosper me at the expense of somebody else. That's not blessing. Hmm. So if you get that kind of breakthrough in your life, it's not from God. He's not going to punish them to, to prosper you. Yeah. Okay? And so that's the difference. It's, it's literally like, I'll take every blessing the Lord wants to give me, but it will never be at the expense of somebody else. And, and so that, you know, and that all sounds like a great theory, but then go into business and, you know, the 400 decisions you've got to make a day. Hmm. You put through the filter of I can't prosper at the expense of somebody else. Yeah. So now you know, like there are times when because this now we're talking about kingdom business, which is our little buzzword. Now, now you have to make the decision: Will you walk away from some opportunities? Will you take less out of some opportunities just mm-hmm. to make sure that other people win? Um, and um, it's it's by the way, it's not easy. That's not. I was just going to say it's it's a balancing act, isn't it? Yeah, it's not easy, and you'll get it wrong, and I get it wrong, and then I go to the Lord, and I'm like, okay, I'll learn for next time. I actually can't step out of blessings from God because they were a covenant made to Abraham, so they weren't even. They're not whether they're not whether I'm good enough, right? Yeah. Hmm. So they're, they're just a fact of life, and so my job is to make sure that I'm positioned to be able to handle them the best that I possibly can. Are there things in you know, the finance world in the Christian context that, um, that, that where people struggle with their finances. Um, you, know, you know, we know there's lots and lots of people. Nobody's going to be, not everybody's going to be an entrepreneur. Not everybody's going to make a fortune. But are there things that, you know, simple principles that we can apply in our lives that will allow us to be prudent or whatever the right term is? Yeah, there's heaps, right? You know, like, like I personally believe that if saving is not in you now, then wealth creation is not for you later. Like, and, and that's irrespective of amount. If you're if you're living on Centrelink and that's where you find yourself right now, and you are living below the poverty line, you've still got to find a way to save. Now, if that means take a second job, get a little bit of extra money, save that, like whatever. And and it's not about the amount, right? It literally it's the discipline of saving. That's mm. got to be in you from day one. Right. And, you know, I've got three young daughters and it's part of their discipline right now. They must save, they must give, they must do all those sort of things. And, and they're young. That's great. So that, you know, but that's like a standard thing. I mean, living below your means is just a really good idea. Yeah. Right. The average Aussie household lives off 108% of their income. Hmm. Wow. 
So they live off their income plus 8% credit, right? All right. Um, and that's a real worry, right? That's why we have these massive boom and busts because, mm. because that's unsustainable, right, for everybody mm. to live like yeah. that. So just li- like grandma did, just live off less than you earn, it, you know, it is a, another discipline that is really good for you. It also helps with saving. Um, and delayed gratification is literally the most wonderful answer to to uh, to winning financially. Just don't give yourself what you want. Put it off. Yeah. You know, f- for me, starting off with no real hand up, needing to grind out every dollar in business to get ahead, I just didn't buy the stuff while I put the money into assets. So, you know, I still remember a story. I was charging people say 500 bucks an hour to, you know, advise them in business. And the advice was worth it. And I had shoes that nearly had holes in the bottom, not because I couldn't afford the shoes, but I knew that if I bought the shoes, I didn't have any money to put into any other assets. And so I was always kicking those decisions down the road so that I could put money and get it to snowball over time. Hmm. I knew that I'd be able to buy whatever I wanted if I wanted. Right. And and that was just that discipline really early on. And it wasn't about the amount. It was about, you know, $50 decisions and $100 decisions and $73 decisions. No, I won't buy that. I'll do this and putting it off and putting it off. And um, and then, you know, basically as, as, the, as the financial management started to really kick in, I was able to then kind of make some shorter term decisions because I already had this thing that was, you know, growing without me. Um, and, and really like, that's the way, like to, to me, the world wants to steal every little bit of money that comes in. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and some of it's valid, right. You got pets and health insurance and houses and rentals and, and mortgages and cars and weddings and, and then afterpay And then, you know, like the new Nikes and, and like the world just wants to take yeah. every spare dollar and then some, um, that's the world system. I was like, no. Nah, no one, none of those people that I give money to care about my future. So I'm going to fight for it with mm. lots of transactions. I think that's an, a brilliant piece of advice that last you know, like five minutes to young couples and young people, whether a couple or not, just in terms of the discipline around their life. You don't need to go to the fanciest restaurant right now. You don't need to do all those things that you do. And yeah, I think that's fantastic. That's, that's great advice. You're listening to Momentum. We're chatting with uh, Wes Home from Business Greenhouse. Uh, businessgreenhouse.com.au is his website. And uh, while we take a short break, MomentumAustralia.org is our website too. Wes, on the other side of the break, let's have a quick chat about tithing because this is something that is fairly controversial in Christian circles. A lot of people have got different opinions. We're going to get yours after the break. Wes Hohen is our special guest right here on Momentum. We'll be back real soon. Stay tuned. You're listening to Momentum a show that helps men succeed in life. Find out more at MomentumAustralia.org. Well, welcome back to Momentum all around Australia. really appreciate you tuning in. Uh, Tim and Des with you. And our special guest this week is Wes Hone from Business Greenhouse. Businessgreenhouse.com.au is the website. Check that out after the show. Um, but Wes, it's uh, it's great to be chatting with you, man. I mean, you've got so much advice around business, finance, stewardship, all that sort of stuff. And, um, you know, we did tease before the break. Uh, let's, let's talk about tithing because this is something that a lot of people in church world have different opinions of. Uh, traditionally, it's a kind of 10% rule. Um, 
whether that's before or after tax, we will maybe get you to answer that. But um, well, let's start with your th- initial thoughts on tithing as Christians, because you talked about before setting some good disciplines in place. And let's be honest, as a Christian, this is one that we definitely should adhere to. So my thoughts on tithing are there's it's totally understandable that it's contentious because I think the Bible's confusing, if I be totally honest, on the yeah. topic, right? Jesus did not come out and say that's the rule for everybody, right? So... Um, you know, is it is it part of the new covenant? Is it part of the old covenant? Does it predate the law? Uh, should it be a free will offering? Um, you know, like, <laughs> like, it, like it is confusing, right? Yes. Like, and I know people are like, no, it's not. It's this. I'm like, yeah, but that's just that's just, we could all just do. It's this. But if you if you take the whole topic and look at it, it I actually think that it's because re- because the apostle Paul didn't say tithe. He said purpose in your heart, what to give away and give it away with joy. Hmm. He didn't say work out what one tenth is, right? Hmm. So. So that's tough gig. Jesus did, but he but he uses it to chip right the religious leaders of the time because he's like, yeah, you worked out what one cumin leaf was, right? But you you don't care about people and you're not kind and gracious and merciful, right? Hmm. So he says, he says, tithing you have done, but don't don't neglect the second of that doing the former. But is he talking to people who have put himself under the law in that situation, which he has? So it is contentious, right? It is contentious. On the other side of the spectrum, there's a whole bunch of people that think that tithing today gives them something in the future. I also think that's a mistake. Yeah. Mm. My reason, and I'll put it under giving because we'll break down what that looks like. My reason for giving is because I've already been given it all. Yeah. I've already been given it all. Jesus could do nothing for me for the rest of my life, and I've already had it all. Wow. Mm. I love that. That's where giving should come from. Yes. Mm. Not like, well, he'll look after my future if I, well, I didn't, I don't know. I just, I just don't think he's a tripwire kind of father. So, um, and, and, and here's another thing that no one wants to talk about. I have disproved the tithing and the future benefit theory because there have been times in my life when I didn't strictly tithe and mm. the Lord, blessed me, prospered me, came through for me. I've disproven the theory that if you don't give 10%, then then God can't rebuke the devourer. I've disproved all those things because there were times when I sought the kingdom, but I didn't have the ability and the means to do it in a season, and, and God came through every time. So that's why it's wildly confusing. Now, I would say that we should be insanely generous and 10% is not enough, right? Yeah. So. So this, like all of what I just said is not to get out of it. It's to get out of being impulsively needing to give. It's it's a it, I'm trying to get rid of the guilt that the Apostle yeah. Paul was trying to get rid of as well around giving and just give people freedom and liberty to walk a journey with the Lord. And I promise you, if you do that, it'll be more than 10%. Yeah. Because it's mm. not enough of a stretch, right? It's yeah. not a stretch. Let me say that, you know, if if you're dead set broke today. 10% may not work. Like it just physically is impossible. Mm. If you're wealthy today, 10% doesn't stretch your faith. And I have heard people say it is strictly 10%, like work out what one tenth is. And I'm like, where else in our life does Jesus let us get away with that? Like he literally comes and says, you've heard it said before that if you do not commit adultery, I say to you, if you give a girl the eye, you've committed. You've heard it said before, do not commit murder. But I'm here to tell you that even if you call your brother a fool. So nowhere do we get let off with a fractional system of checking a box. Hmm. Yet financially we're supposed to. And it doesn't make any sense to me that it would be that. I think that it's all in. Right? <laughs> so, 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a church in New Zealand, and I won't mention their name, but they actually check people's tax returns to make sure that they give 10%. <laughs> how, does, how does that work in oh, the kingdom? I, I would go there. Because it would be way cheaper for me to go yeah. than any other church. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so maybe send me the name privately. Because although what they're doing is wrong, yeah. it'd be better for me. So I guess uh, th- then there are no absolutes, right? So let me ask then, Wes, give us an example, a practical example then. What does that look like then? If we if we want to we want to sew in, what does that look like then for you on a, a sort of daily basis, a weekly basis? Like when you want when you want to tithe or you offer or you know what it is you want to be generous. What does that look like? It's always going to be more than ten percent because I can't stand. I just, I just, I also want to please the Lord. I also want to show my allegiance. So it's always going to be more than that. So, but but as business people, we get paid three times, right? We get paid wages, we get paid dividends, and we get paid in equity as the business builds. I think that the only obligation I have to give is the bit that I take as a human. Hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a company is, is, is not a Christian, right? You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's its own entity that is a man-made construct in many respects. Mm-hmm. The bit that I take, though, there's an obligation for me to steward that well, right? And so, you know, the rule of one-tenth would apply to the bit that I take, I think. Now, for me... It's going to always be more than that because I think that if I sit there and go, okay, how much did I take? What's one tenth of that? Mm. I think I've missed the heart of the yes. kingdom of God. Yes. Mm. Mm. So I'll always be over and above. There were times when I was under, but yeah. these days it will always be over and above. So I, now, but of course, there's other things, right? There's um, there's the dividends at the end of the year. The company makes a profit. Well, how do I handle that, right? Because that's that's also where I would want to be generous from. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, but I've got some obligations there because I signed as a director of a company to say, I would take fiduciary duty over that business. Mm-hmm. So I can't just go giving that all away if I need to invest some back in. So I've got to take a portion of that profit and say, okay, retained earnings, leave it in the business to grow so that we can do more next year. Uh, and then I've got to pay taxes, right. Whether I like it or not. Right. And then, yeah. and then I've got to make a decision with the rest. And that is where, that's where I think you, we can start to fund strategic initiatives. Now, this only really applies to business people, so sorry if it's if you're not in business, but just take tithing as a concept. For me, I give it to my local church. I love my church because um, I love the kids' ministry and love the people and other outreach into the community, yeah. right? So, you know, we, we, as an example, I, I live in the area that just got flooded for the, all those seven yeah. weeks, and it was mm. an absolute dis- disgrace down there and horrible mm. and, and our church linked arms with five other churches and we put these massive like care packs together and we literally went out in the street as mud army and look like, I love that. Like that's, mm. that's the ultimate. And, and I want to be part of that over mm. and above my, my tithing to make sure that my church can open the doors. Right. Mm. So I'm, and then, and now they're doing a building fund and they just did an offering and I'm like, Hey Lord, how much do you want me to contribute over and above what I'm giving on the every day? And he gives me a number and I just give it. Okay. Um, and that's a joy and a delight. But actually, for me, the biggest giving I give is to fund the loss-making activities in my everyday, like, walk with the Lord, right? So we have for-profit businesses and we have for-loss businesses. Now, that's not charities and and, and ministries. We run it all as a profit-producing business. 
but the profit-producing arm of the business funds the loss-making mm-hmm. arm, and that is the biggest chunk of cash that I need to fund. Right? Mm-hmm. When we put on a big conference and and we don't charge much for it, but we put on a with with you know a grand affair and we take massive losses, well, they've got to be funded by somewhere. Yes. Right. So they got, and the reason why I do it my way is I don't have to ask anybody for a donation. I can just internally fund, which means I can be quick and agile and nimble and yeah. things like that. Hmm. That there, I mean, I mean, where does that fit into typical church theology? It yeah. doesn't, right? Yeah. But it's got to be funded. Hmm. So that's why for me, I'm, I've got, you know, I'm, I've, I've got to, I've got to give on a, on a monthly basis because I want to make sure my church has power and lights and, and a pastor. I don't mm-hmm. want my pastor getting a second job <laughs> because I want him praying for me, sure. right? I, I want to be part of the over and above, you know, when the, with the building because I want my kids to have a church home that they grow up in, and and then I've got to fund all the stuff that the Lord asks me to do, right? Which in 2016 was buy a caravan, sell everything except real estate, and spend two and a half years on the road with your family to teaching kingdom business. Wow. Now, you know that's that's not a cheap exercise, but but I've got to fund that because that's what the Lord said for me to do, and so. I've got to get myself in a position to be able to do that. Yeah. Mm. So it's not that clear. It, I've probably confused people even more than we started <laughs> because I don't think there is a metric. All I've tried to do the whole way through is live wildly generously mm. and at the same time do what I feel the Lord's telling me to do. Yeah. That's, that's it. And that's totally different from principle of tithing. The concept of giving a portion of your money away is a really good idea because it means it shows your allegiance it checks your heart, you know, all those sort of things. But the strict 10% thing, yeah, I, I can't get there. Wes, we're running out of time for this show. We're going to come back and do another show with you and get some practicals for people. But before we do that, one thing I just want to come back to for this show, and maybe we can, leave, we can finish on this. You've mentioned about the world system a few times. And this is an area that I think is fascinating. Um, and I don't fully yet understand. So, and I know we're probably not going to do it just as in three or four minutes, but you've talked about the world system. I've heard it also talk about the Babylonian system. It, you know, can you, for those who perhaps maybe have heard that like me, but don't really understand it or have never heard that that phrase before, can you explain what that means? Babylonia is just a phrase. It's, it's not even real because Babylon itself doesn't exist today as a country. Um, but if you trace it back to um, Noah's great-grandson was Cush, Right. And and in genealogy. And then Cush has a son called Nimrod, who was made by a mighty warrior by God, but he turned against God and he created, you know, the, the Tower of Babel and blah, blah, blah. And, and he just wanted to thumb his nose at God and say, man's more important than God. Right. Which is yada, yada, yada. And then and then he basically built a system that worshipped man, worshipped idols, turned away from God um, and was all about self-interest and self-seeking. And and mm-hmm. that that took hold from that day forward. And 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 Babylon as a system is now part of every country, people, group, tribe, family, church, business in the world. And so our job is to get rid of it, right? Because we can't seek first the kingdom of God and at the same time seek first the kingdom of self. It, you yeah. can't have yeah. first. Yeah. So the world system is based on greed and self-centeredness. That's it. And the first encounter we see, so we have Adam and Eve that did self-interest, but they were, you know, they were deceived by the snake. But actually, Cain and Abel comes for an offering. One brings the best portions of meat. One brings a few tatty vegetables. And God says to the one that brings vegetables, sin's crouching at your door. It wants to devour you, and you need to learn how to rule over it. And that is self-interest. 
So fast forward to today, we have a business, we have a world and a, and a business world that is just centered on self-seeking, right? Me over you at any cost. And yet the kingdom of God is you over me, preferring mm. others over ourselves. Mm. And so I know four minutes is tough, but if you if you look at today, we have capitalism, which is the best and the worst of society, right? We've got socialism, which is the worst of society and has never worked anywhere in life. And both of those are broken. And the kingdom of God sits in the middle. Hmm. So, so because we, we're in the world, but we're not of the world, we're in the world because we're here, but we don't have to operate according to the world system. We don't have to do capitalism, which is screw everybody to get ahead. We don't have to do socialism, which is give away all your rights and dignity as a human. The middle ground is the kingdom of God, which is I can make more money than I need. I don't have to give it to a government to distribute, which is socialism. I can just find good causes, find good people and go and fund those things. And in doing those good works, the Lord will be able to apply favor to me. He can't play, he can't really apply favor to a capitalist world because it's designed to shortcut people. He can't apply favor to a, you know, a socialist world because all it does is create fat government to take control. But he can apply favor to the kingdom, which is when we just we just listen to the Lord, find something we need to go and get done, and we go do it. Well, I mean, we have we have covered a fair bit of ground on this week's show. Our special guest is uh, Wes Hone. Wes is actually going to be back next week, and we're going to look at some financial basics, practical things that we can be implementing in our lives, and then once we've got the basics in place, how we can expand this area of our lives. We'd love you to check out Wes's website, and in the meantime, it's businessgreenhouse.com.au. And, of course, Wes will be back with us next week on Momentum. In the meantime, check out our website too, momentumaustralia.org. It'll be Tim, Des, and Wes back with you next week. Until then, thanks for choosing tuning in. Look after yourself. We'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. For more information or to hear this week's show again, go to MomentumAustralia.org. You can also access a whole range of resources to help you on your journey and to get in touch with the team at MomentumAustralia.org. Until next time, keep moving forward with Momentum. Momentum.